ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Catley, she'll strike it with her left boot, takes her time, strikes it and strikes it beautifully. She's sent Australia into the round of 16. They've done the job emphatically in Melbourne against Canada. What is it with the worst situations bringing the best out of this Matildas team? The only contribution needed from Sam Kerr was a stirring fire-up speech. And after a weekend of scrutiny, Matildaddy Tony Gustafsson got the finest World Cup performance from his squad when he needed it most. In a tournament where the Australians have been Jekyll and Hyde and everything in between, is this the truest reflection of their capabilities? What role will Kerr play in the round of 16? What kind of challenge awaits? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Neve Owens is the host of Optus Sports World Cup coverage. Neve, how would you even begin to describe that win over Canada? Oh, Stacky, how good is a win? When were we chatting? Three or four days ago and there was serious concern about where this tournament was headed from a Matilda's perspective and what we witnessed just a few short days later was one of the great wins in Australian football. Late on in the game here, that is the final whistle and Ellie Carpenter in the thick of the action at the end turns to the crowd punches the air, the bench floods onto the field, including an unused substitute, Sam Kerr, not needed tonight. Under pressure, with huge expectation in the home nation, they got the win that they needed, but they did it in serious style. It was such an incredible night. Let's dig into some of the real highlights of the game. I mean, Hayley Rasso, she was electrifying. She was on the receiving end of an almighty spray from her Canadian opponent at one stage. She didn't seem to worry her. How much did she shine on the biggest stage? She is well up for the battle. She can hold her own. Don't you worry about that. And she did exactly that last night. She hadn't scored a Women's World Cup goal before. She scored her first one. There now, may break for Hayley Razzo. Razzo takes a touch on the right foot. She scores! Hayley Razzo's put Australia in front! And then she made it to... Across his corner, under the bar, drops down in front of goal. He's turned her again! Australia have got another goal! And they were two crucial goals as well because it gave Australia a really command lead at halftime in this game. Just before Hayley Rasso's second, there was an offside ruling from VAR that was questionable to everyone in the stadium. And I reckon even those watching at home. And the fact that Hayley Rasso stepped back up just a couple of minutes later to give Australia that two-goal lead was hugely important. But you know what it came off, Stacky? It came off this left edge. We saw Caitlin Ford last night given the licence to roam that we've been hoping for all tournament. She's a very different striker to Sam Kerr. And I feel like in those opening two games, we were trying to ram her into that out-and-out nine role that we see Sam Kerr play. And so in Sam's absence, we were asking Kate to play a style of football that 
doesn't come naturally to her. She's this beautifully creative player and she is so dangerous with the ball at her feet running on the edge. And last night with Mary Fowler back in the middle, she was given that license to roam and her combination with Steph Catley on the left edge was the creator of all good things. Yeah, Caitlin Ford, she's just in form at the moment. You can really see her. She's very comfortable on the ball, comfortable taking players on, but also working with players that she really knows well. It was incredible. And then you had Hayley Rasso looming large on the other side, ready to finish what they sent her way. It's interesting you touch on Ford. One of a few tactical tweaks that Tony Gustafson made, how important was the way that he sort of reimagined this Matildas team? He copped a heap of scrutiny coming into this fixture. Is there a sense of vindication for the coach from this performance? Certainly, in what we saw last night, absolutely. These were team changes in a starting lineup that I think a lot of people would have loved to see in that opening clash with Ireland. He hasn't used Emily Van Egmond a lot in recent times. He certainly hasn't used her in his starting side. And I think what we saw in the game against Nigeria was that she has a huge amount to offer. And last night, she took her game to another level. She has this incredible combination and understanding with Caitlin Ford. We felt we wanted to invest in the left side combination today but also because both Mary and EVE have been really good in if we talk tactical term false nines so we played a little bit different tonight I think that lineup that we saw last night and the tactics that we saw employed attacking on the counter attacking with pace we were able to hold on to the ball we were able to work our way through the midfield that was the kind of football that we know this Matilda side is able to play it's the kind of football we've been hoping for in the opening couple of games of this world Cup and now Stacky, we hope to see it continue because that round of 16 spot is the Matildas. Sam Kerr was not needed, but even when she doesn't get on the pitch, she can have an impact. Her pre game address, what kind of fire up speech did she manage to conjure to sort of get an extra sort of 10 to 20 percent out of this team? She is such a leader within this side, Stacky. And by all accounts, you speak to people within the setup, she is head of vibes. As the story goes, she brought that vibe last night and she said to the girls, you go and do it. Give me another seven days. One of the words Sam said to the team is, uh, make sure you win without me so that I can get another week to, to train and recover and get healthy. Um, and the team responded and said, yes, we will. You sit on the bench tonight and we'll win for you. From the very first whistle in a stadium that just brought the vibe itself. The crowd was incredible. The Matildas were on fire and I thought on point from the get-go. I was watching this game with Chloe Legazzo, who's part of our Optus Sport coverage. Moments after that first whistle, Chloe looked at me and said, they're up for it. They're on tonight. And you really felt that from the get-go. We love that Sam Kerr is bringing vibes off the park, but we'd really like to see them on the field as well. (laughs) When's she going to be back? What kind of capacity in this round of 16 fixture? It's so hard to say, Stacky. She told us this week. I'm definitely going to be available. Thankfully, they didn't and they got the job done without the skipper. My gut instinct is that we will see them start without Sam Kerr again in this round of 16 fixture and perhaps take a very similar approach to the one we saw last night where it's a case of go out, do it, get the job done, give me more time. I think she's still working on that calf. We saw last night that while she had the boots on, she didn't warm up. And that's often something you do with players when you help 
helping ease them back from an injury. So she's definitely not back at 100% fitness yet. Calves are niggly until you run at full pace, until you try to leap, it's difficult to know what the result is going to be. So my gut instinct without having seen any of the medical reports or being a physio myself is that the deeper we can go into this tournament, the more likely we are to see Sam Kerr play some kind of a role. So I think in this round of 16 clash, that starting 11 we saw last night got the job done and they got the job done with class and composure. And so I say give them another crack, Stacky. Their next opponent is somewhat up in the air. Can you just walk us through the different scenarios of who they might face and what kind of threat those teams pose? Group B, Australia's group, takes on Group D in the round of 16. In Group D is England, Denmark and China. Haiti are there as well, but Haiti won't move through to the next round. So Australia always knew that if they finished second in our group, the likelihood was that they would meet the Lionesses, the European champions in that round of 16 clash. So top spot in Group B has always been highly sought after. And the Aussies went last night from one whether or not they would make it through to the round of 16 to clinching top spot in a World Cup group for the very first time in Australia's history. So I think in all likelihood, we meet Denmark in the round of 16. But both Denmark and China are on three points in Group D. They're playing today. China plays England. So an extremely tough matchup. The Lionesses haven't reached the heights that we saw them reach during the Euros yet this World Cup, but they've played two games and they've had two wins. They get tournament football. They get the job done. And Haiti will take on Denmark, Haiti with, you never like to say nothing to play for, but a lot less to play for, Stacky. They know they can't play knockout football. So I would back the Danes to win that game, whereas China have really got their work cut out for them against England. So in all likelihood next week, a clash with Denmark, who Australia's beaten in the last 12 months. So a team that they know well, that they've taken on recently. And if it is China, part of our Asian Confederation, another side that this Matildas team knows very well, has played recently. Recently, My hope is that in that round of 16 clash, it will be China or Denmark. It could still be England, but I'd love to avoid them for as long as possible. One final question on the Matildas campaign so far as we look ahead to the knockout stages. It's been very much a Jekyll and Hyde sort of performance. You know, a nervy win over Ireland, a skittish loss to Nigeria and an imperious victory over the Canadians. Which Australian side of those three is the truest representation, Neve. I think what we saw last night has to be our expectation going forward. This is a quality football team with some of the best players in world football. Steph Catley at left back, Ellie Carpenter at right back. Launches ball in, is headed away nicely by Ellie Carpenter. Look at Ellie Carpenter go, goes flying at that touchline. Open ground in front of her. Those two footballers would be selected in almost any team in the world. And I think we saw them both playing the kind of football that we know they're capable of last night. Caitlin Ford, a wonderful striker, and she does the job for Arsenal in the WSL week in, week out. So I think that kind of performance that we saw at in Melbourne, in front of a packed house. That's the standard we expect moving forward. They attacked on the counter beautifully. They didn't dominate possession, but when they had possession, they looked comfortable on the ball. They showed class, composure. That's the side we want to see in this round of 16 clash. And that is the side we want to see moving forward as deep as possible in this tournament. 
It feels like we're just getting started. Neve, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Love it, Saki. Speak soon. Headlines after an enthralling Ashes series. It finishes level at 2-2 with England's nail-biting win on the final day at the Oval. Australia was bowled out for 334 as the hosts won by 49 runs. Departing bowler Stuart Broad conjured one final magic spell to help England over the line. Yet much of the discussion surrounds Ballgate and Beergate. First the ball. Usman Khawaja was struck on the helmet late on day four, which damaged the ball and resulted in the hosts requesting a change. The umpires then meant to pick a ball that's in similar condition but inexplicably gave the English a ball in much better condition. Day 5 showed how much better as the new rock swung wildly where the old one had not. Ricky Ponting, he was fuming. I just cannot fathom how two international umpires that have done that a lot of times before can actually get that so wrong. That is a huge moment in this game, potentially a huge moment in the Test match, and something that I think actually has to be investigated. Whether there was the right condition balls in the box, or the umpires have just blasé picked one out of there that they thought would be okay to use. And Usman Khawaja detailed the difference from a batting POV. Yeah, I mean, I walked straight up to Kuma straight away. I said, that ball is nothing like the one we've been playing with. I mean, I could see riding on it. It felt harder than any ball I faced throughout this whole Ashes series, to be honest. I've opened the batting against a new ball every single time and it just hit my bat so hard. I know Woody was bowling, but I faced Woody before. So I said, you've gone from an old reversing ball to a brand new ball. Look, felt like it looked like it was about eight overs old, swinging conventionally and hitting the bat hard. Is it fair? Is it not? Hey, that's cricket. As for Beergate, reportedly Australia repeatedly knocked on the English dressing room door to have a Beveragino. You know, bygones be bygones, all that sort of stuff. But after being met with silence, they just went home. At which point the English reckon they went to knock on the Aussie door. So when Brendan McCullum quipped that the two sides were unlikely to have a beer at the end of the series, turns out he was right. I look forward to this being dissected at length for years to come. If you want a full Ashes analysis, check out the Grandstand Cricket Podcast with Corbin Middlemass and Ed Cowan. A link to that is in our show notes. Olympian Peter Bowl has been exonerated after Sports Integrity Australia announced it's not going to progress their anti-doping violation. The middle distance runner posted on social media that the news was a dream come true, stating, I have been exonerated. It was a false positive, like I have said, all along. The World Championships get underway later this month in Hungary and we can't wait to see how he goes. He is hoping this disruption hasn't utterly ruined his prep for that, mate, and indeed the Paris Olympics in 2024. And some awkward times at Port Adelaide as the AFL issued a please explain to the club over a head knock to Aaliyah Aaliyah. The defender clashed heads with teammate Lockie Jones in the weekend loss to the Crows. Jones was subbed out post-concussion test, but Aaliyah didn't have one of those and actually played out the game. Now, the defender has entered concussion protocols and won't play against Geelong this weekend. As I say, awkward. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Sky Cricket, Optus Sport and cricket.com.au for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.